What's up, ding dongs? Uh, how's it going, everybody? I Welcome to the Sign Talks stop. podcast. It's killing me. It's taking. How do you feel about Mr. Brightside Breath? Do you like it? I mean, it's a catchy song. Everybody there, likes that song. There was right? an article today in the New York Times about how Mr. Brightside has become the anthem of a generation. It's weird. Is it because Eric Roberts is in the video? Eric Roberts is in the video? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. It is. I think it's the drums. I think it's like the, you know, it kind of like you just feel like it's got a little energy to it, you know? I don't know. I don't Everybody know. Well, it's, it's a you big no. sing along, too. Like, yeah. Like if you end up, unfortunately, in some bar where there's some big cover band or whatever, like get to that chorus. It's kind of like that uh, Oasis yeah. song. Uh, Wonderwall. Don't, uh, don't look uh, back in yeah, anger. Yeah. Gotcha. I do like Oasis, but I don't like the killers very much. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm always curious because I, I I'm interested to hear that you didn't that you don't like Mr. Brightside. Because I that's was a, you know a little art school bitch. Yeah. Um, and when the the killers were out, they were just I, they were just like they're annoying. Too mainstream. I was like I'm listening to the Velvet Underground and Nico yeah. over here, folks. You were too cool for school. I was just wh- like I me. was too too cool for the killers. I was like, yeah, well, this is some neat mainstream bullshit. But have you ever listened to London Calling by the Clash? That's the kind of thing yeah. I was doing when I was a teenager. Man, I don't know that song though. It's you know, it's it's like that embarrassing to like, but you kind of like it. Mm. And now I do have some of those, but that's not one of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, overplayed. So. Yeah. Moving on. Um, speaking of overplayed, uh, before we get started, just a shout out to all the kittens and Corey heads out there because I didn't <laughs> say that yet. Why they're speaking of over, they're overplayed? Uh, no, I, that statement is overplayed oh. according to some who are wrong. Uh, anyway, um, Side Talks, the podcast where we talk about movies. Um, We're about to... Let's talk about some movies. To, to do it, yeah. So now it's time for a segment of the podcast called Phone a Friend, where we do just that. Phone a friend. Hello. McBrobro, you let it ring and ring and ring. You're like you were like me okay, in college. Well, You're like me in college when I was like, let it me? ring, man. If I answer too okay, soon, well, she'll what? think I'm desperate. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know the rules. Um, well no, actually, um I was in the I was driving. So I thought I would be home by now, but I wound up getting uh delayed and this and that. So I was driving and I was like, Oh, I'll just pull over when they call and then um I just pulled over into a BK parking lot. Man, having it my way. BK Lounge, (laughs) love it, love it. So, what? um, (laughs) Other than the Burger King sign, what have you been watching? Well, okay, so um, you may know uh, that I recently went to Milan, Milan, Italy, Italy, Italy. Italy. I I was just there Uh in June. It's a very nice place. Ah, it was a beautiful. I love. It was my first time there. Not other places in Italy, but I've never been to Milan. But I loved it. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So 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 great and so fun. At this time of year, it was very festive and Christmassy, and you know, oh, I loved it. So whilst there, the um, let me see. I want to say it all Italiano. Like, let's see. The one of the museums, which is the um, fun. You're killing it. You're killing it. Uh Did you say Prada? (laughs) 
translates. Corey could only hear the word Prada. Well, that's true. <laughs> I, I usually only hear the word Prada, but I think I know where you're going with this. He's it's excited. It's the Prada Foundation uh-huh. Museum. Yes, and it's the Prada people behind it. And yes, they did an exhibit on Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. You betcha. Did you see it? I didn't. I, I didn't make oh, it to okay. that museum, but I oh, knew that it, they had a... There's like a Wes Anderson designed cafe there, right? The cafe is Wes Anderson design. So apparently, yes, back in when it opened, when the place entirely opened in 2015, he designed the bar slash cafe, and it's a beautiful space. So I have photos, and anybody needs me to send them. It's so, so beautiful, and it's very, feel like you're on a Wes Anderson movie. And you know how there's places in everywhere that have that essence, but this one, you really get it because he really designed it. So it's very, you know, molto authentico. And, um... But yeah, so the exhibit, so I guess if you were there in the summer, I'm looking at the dates. It started uh, September 23rd, so it wasn't probably up yet when you were there. And no. it goes until January 7th, so if anybody is in Milan in the next month, get over there. Because it was so great. So I, so I guess I was kind of going to talk about the exhibit a little bit and the movie. And yeah. um, the what's funny is I had not seen it. I, I mean, I love Wes Anderson and you know, the whole deal, but I just... Somehow hadn't seen it yet. That just happens a lot um, where, you know, you wind up getting behind and you know how me, you know how me. So I finally did see it after uh, going to this exhibit. So that was last week. And then I saw it. I think we watched it Friday night. So it was a little bit of a reverse order. But still, I mean, you know, I, it wasn't like any spoilers. Like, I, you know, I knew what I was getting into. Um, I will say right off the bat in the exhibit is this entire little vignette where they've got a desk and a typewriter and like a writing jacket and loungewear. And it's all, it's the um, ensemble that um, um, our boy, um, oh shoot, there's like a million people. In Edward this, so I Norton? Even remember. I know, pick yes, one. Ed, yes, right. Um, anyway, it was the, when Ed Norton, you know, he's a playwright and he's doing the whole thing. Well, what was interesting was to see that in real life. He's got red pants and this beautiful tan coat with like little characters all over it. And then I had no idea when, until I watched the movie that he that was all in black and white. Mm-hmm. He didn't even see any of that color. So that was kind of a cool reveal to uh, to see some of these things in real true color that were apparently not even shown in color at any point in the um, in the actual film. So um, so that was cool. And then oh my gosh, the vending machines. Okay. Yeah. So good. And when you see them in the movie, I mean. I guess you know they're real, but it almost feels, something about it feels like they're painted flat or something, you know? It just, well, I mean, everything has this very surrealist look with, especially, with most Wes Anderson, but especially this one, it's like extremely, like, turned up, uh, you know, the dials on the Wes Anderson and the pastels and all of that. But these vending machines are, I don't know if they're vend, but you know what I mean? They're like real three-dimensional metal boxes, and they are so good, and there's, I mean, there's gobs of them, and they're all in this huge row in this huge building, and, um, and you know, I couldn't really study, I guess I could have paused it and seen them all in the movie, but um, when I saw them in real life, they're so good. It's like, you, you know, cigarettes, snacks, things like that, but then also a vending machine for real estate yeah. with the little, the little land pieces you can buy, and then there's a whole <laughs> ammunition vending machine, and it's just got shapes of bullets, and you just pick the shape you want, and um, a martini machine, and a stockings machine, and there's varying tints of stockings, and um, chilled fruit, and they're just little bundles, cups of fruit. I mean, it's 
That's so, so Lisa, and- I, I mean, this may be a crazy question. I assume then that yeah. these, these aren't working vending machines, right? Like, do any of them give you anything? No, I mean, they, when you look at them, they're real, have real buttons and real flaps right. and real, they're very real design, but I doubt that they have inner yeah, workings. I, I think it's you. probably all just a window dressing just, kind of thing. Like just the pro- thing, just set design, yeah. The candies in the window are just, yeah, fake. But they look very, ta- I mean, they are tangible and metal and right. real and they have a presence, which was, and they're so beautifully colored. And so, so that was cool to see things like that that are so large and for reals and they're not just some, you know, flat painted background kind of thing. However movie trickery um the train that they show in the movie where there's this you know the rocket and the little bags of feed and the avocados and all of those things that i saw the entire train and the whole thing was the length of this building and it was all like a little miniature train isn't that wild scale model train. we're so human so human cool. beings are we get to suspend our disbelief and we're so easily tricked it's amazing so easily tricked so i kind of almost am glad I saw it in the order I did or saw the pieces in real life before I saw the movie because it was it was pretty fun to kind of see oh you know I mean it would have been fun the other way too to have sort of a reveal like oh that train I thought was a real train was a tiny train but it was in a way also very fun to know when I saw that train oh my gosh it's tiny and you know uh and just have a lot of those little surprises where I, I kind of already knew how they did it and, oh, I was, I'm sure, so annoying to Tony because I kept thinking, oh, I saw that. I saw that in real life. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's always fun. Yeah. I mean, and it is literally uh, so many things from this movie. There's all kinds of really cool documents. Um, there's an entire front page of the um, Ar- Arid Plains Desert Post <laughs> Extra. And, you, I mean, like, you can zoom in. I took, you know, I took pictures. Local experts discuss alien sighting and spacecraft seen by dozens of eyewitnesses. And it's got all these little articles. Um, school children write letter to flying saucer pilot and it's a real you know actual written front page of a paper that's just so very authentic and detailed and then there's other little papers and um, pamphlets and government documents and and uh, telegrams and stuff so I really love seeing all of that the stuff that you know it's probably extra thorough because it's Wes Anderson and because of just, you know, the way these films are made. However, to see it in person and know, wow, they, somebody really wrote the copy for this. And it's, it's sincere. It's right. not just, you know, Latin or some generic fill-in-the-blank thing that nobody's really going to see on camera, you know? For um, sure, for sure. It was so good. And um, the tiny little alien was there. Hell yes. I saw the photo you sent of that, and it was, it's so cute. It's so cute. Okay, I will say, Tony, he thinks, okay, he's, he loves the movie, and he loves aliens, you know that, so I mean, of course. <laughs> However. Don't we all? He, uh, don't we all? Um, he doesn't think that the alien, he thought it should either have been more obtuse and unconventional alien-esque, like something from Communion or whatever those weird mm, guys were, mm-hmm. um, or more conventional, like, I guess, big-eyed big-headed, well, I mean, he is kind of big-eyed and big-headed, but I don't know, something about Tony's, like, he thought he was a very Wes Anderson-esque alien, but that, I don't know, he had a problem with the alien, I'm just saying. I love the I alien. Have, I personally, this is where I'll say, I'll five-minute fight Tony on this, because I, yeah, just five minutes on this alien, because I didn't, I didn't love Asteroid City, I don't know if you've heard our fight, I know you listen to every podcast, Lisa, but um, well, I didn't I, love, love, love I, it. And I was actually going to say that I didn't, I, I'm sure that you've talked about this, but I wasn't even really going to talk about the movie as much. It was more about the, you know, the pieces. Sure. I saw. 
because I um I figured y'all had discussed it and I I had not heard that yet. So you aren't as big of a fan. I well, wasn't, but I did love the alien. That is that is one okay. of the moments where I just love that little guy. And surprising and no one, I love Asteroid City, oh, and I've seen so it like much. seven times. Well, I definitely would like to do a second at least viewing because it did feel so so rich in detail, and I think because I had seen so much of the props and papers and outfits and pieces and parts that I guess part of me was trying to absorb those in the right. movie, but also absorb the movie, which was very, you know, there's lots of layers to it. It's kind of like Birdman. You've got this, like, production going, and you've got <laughs> the, the desert world, but then they overlap, and there's fourth walls breaking. You know, things are going on. So you're kind of trying to keep up with that, and I'm trying to be like, oh, my gosh, I saw that dress. And um, Well, and you can't you know, argue with like the that. production design. I mean, that's the one thing I will say. Oh, I'm, n- I'm never going to argue with the production design. It's amazing. No. Yeah. It, it's, the thing to, it's the thing to look at, for sure. Yeah. And that's how I feel about all West Anderson. Like, some are better than others. And even the most twee, saccharine, Wes Anderson-ness of Wes Anderson thing that it could possibly happen, that's almost a caricature of itself, it's still, to me, beautiful to look at and really cool and the shots are framed so beautifully and the, the, you know, the dolly work and the symmetry and, you know, all of that kind of thing. So that's what was so great about this exhibit is just getting to really see these. Oh my gosh, there's a road. I'm looking at my picture. The road runner, the little, oh, little yeah. road runner that you see. Yeah. Saw him. The little so good. So oh, cool. And I'm looking here. Okay. The, um, I have a, I have a complaint about the, how do I say it? Hold on. Oh, we got uh, a, a complaint. Okay, so in the <laughs> exhibit, don't tell him I said that that badly. Um, there's this one of the pieces is the little um, it's like a little souvenir stand from where all the hubbub builds up and all the right. you know alien folks are there and there's all kinds of you know spaceman shirts for you know adults yeah children a dollar adults a dollar fifty and like all these little alien necklaces and little cute souvenir little spaceships, just very exactly like you would find today in the desert alien-themed souvenir store. And so I saw these in the exhibit, and it was a little table set up, like, you know, part of, from the movie. So I was like, well, surely the actual real-life gift shop for this museum will have a few of these quirky, cute little alien necklaces or something. Like, they will have made some actual merch in the style of the, you know, fake merch from the movie that's in this exhibit. Um, y'all, this is the most uber-minimal gift shop I have ever seen. They called it a biblioteca. They didn't even call it a gift <laughs> shop. And it was literally books and little pamphlets and inferior and, like, beautiful little, like, bound paper things. Missed, Not a single missed op. Missed op. Such a huge missed opportunity. I would have bought, like, 10 little tiny alien necklaces. I mean, absolutely. They could have charged me anything, and they well, didn't, and they didn't have Well, Prada's so, not known Prada. for, like, clothes and jewelry I'll or anything. say, Lisa, it could be worse. <laughs> you know, our friend Alex, um, she used to work for, I'm not, I shouldn't be making too many direct connections here, because you never know who listens to side talks. You never know. But she worked for a woman who was very out of touch, and for, as a Christmas gift one year, as, like, a Christmas bonus, instead of just writing her a check, she gave her a $5 gift certificate to Prada. $5 might get you in the door. I get you a bag, maybe. No, f- it wouldn't even. $500 gift certificate to Prada instead of just writing her a little check. And so we go down wow. to the Prada store to try to use it. This is many, many years ago. And 
literally there was not for five hundred dollars it was like she could have bought a dog collar that was literally the only thing in the store that she could have bought and she was like i don't even know like just write. she was like she was basically in tears like just write me a fucking check you know wow anyway wow so it could be worse well i have a a random product story from literally yesterday so um (laughs) don't we all don't we all (laughs) so okay so one of my um one of my best friends from high school she um i'm helping her do some pick some paint colors and stuff at this house she just bought so we met up and uh, yesterday and she is wearing the most goth night chonky ass big black leather like boots i've never seen anything like these and each boot has a tiny little pouch like belted onto it around the whole ankle Mm-mm. each one of them and it looks like an ankle bracelet like Mm-mm. you're a you're some kind of house arrested oh my gosh it's like our boy um uh you know shia um, from disturbia oh, yeah, shia yes it's just like shia with the disturbia except for fashion so <laughs> yeah. so she has them and i'm like wait what and so i was like first of all just caught the little pouchies and I was like I had to get down there close to him and of course on each of the pouchies is the Prada logo and I was like wait what are these real and she's like yes um and she said but I didn't buy them at Prada I got them at the real real so I mean you know but I'm still sure they're still you know insane and the, oh, the, re- the real real still be real real the real real still real real yes so then she said her husband bought a new mountain bike so that was all she needed. So apparently, oh. uh, whatever a very nice mountain bike costs is what these boots, these Prada boots were on the real world, perhaps, somewhat. So that was her um, her justification. So isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. I also don't love the description of these boots. But I hot take, Prada's ugly a lot of the time. All, all I, know, I, know I know about Prada is that the devil wears it. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Had to to take it. Had to take it. Had to do it. Man, Um, well, those sound like some intense boots. I hope. I hope she doesn't scuff them. They were intense. No, no, they look great. They. I mean, I don't think you can. I think you scuff other people in those boots. Like that's how they were like turbo, like stacked up. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, so she got them boots with some tiny little pouches. But I don't even know what you put in there. I guess you could put a key or a. uh, A coin. A A little, a a little tiny gold bar. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Well, um, but so you know what I, you can't put in there is a tiny alien necklace from the the gift shop of the Prada Foundation. Because it doesn't exist. Listen, it Ross, exist. so d- thumbs up or thumbs down? I mean, it sounds like a thumbs up here, but but a lot of it is informed by your experience at the museum. Yes, is this correct? Or? You know, yes. Okay, so I would say the movie uh, as, a, as a whole, it... I think it was, it is, I think we've been at this point for a while now where Wes Anderson, ha- it's almost a caricature of himself. Like he, it's right. like he knows, you know, so right. it's a little bit of give the people what they want. Here's what they've come to expect in a way. And, you know, there's some things where I feel like we've seen this a million times before, like a, a very recently pubescent boy <laughs> up close in profile view with a kind of dorky haircut saying something nerdy you know what i mean like that kind of scene never i'm stops. like okay you know, nerdy teenager again here we go you know stuff like that where i'm like yeah 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 but i guess i i guess i'm a, i kind of endeared to it enough because my to me my peak uh wes anderson phase like where i really you know where I, a lot of us really came to know at best was the royal ten and bombs yeah. and then right life aquatic was like my my jam that's my fave so those are still my very very favorites and yeah. um I think there's been some in between that are a little more wayward. They're just more about 
I don't know, just wealthy people having problems and stuff, whereas I think Life Aquatic had this, like, sense of adventure that was a really fun element that yeah, kind of tied into all these, like, It's a wealthy people. person having problems, but also adventures. Also adventure and, like, critters and fun things. And so I think this kind of, to me, had a little bit of that, too, where it's like, look at all these rich people having dilemmas and being, you know, trapped in their weird lives. However, we've got aliens now, and I think right. that's so fun. And, um, oh, and Tony used a big fancy word. Let me pull that up because I was like, can you text that to me? Um, I'm sure I've heard of it before, but, you know, um, it's a philosophical term, so you know how they can be. Um, let's see, ontological <laughs> shock, ontological shock, which is the state of being forced to question one's worldview the sudden realization that there's much more to the universe than you thought there was. So that's what that kind of means. And he was using that to describe kind of what happens to the characters in this film. And, and um, in and every, like that. every Wes Anderson film, I think we could, yes, is applicable. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But I think, you know, again, we got those aliens, we got the whole universe coming at us and the whole, you know, cover up, but, but it's out. And so, yeah, I really, I did like that. That was kind of a good way to view it. Like these, there's something bigger than just these, these people in their vapid lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, ultimately, thumbs up because it's beautiful, and I, you know, I can't get over it. And the music's good, and the, and everyone's gorgeous, and it's, it's, you know, I love it. So, I'm a sucker for the whole thing. But I know it can be controversial. Yeah, I think you know, I think most people like Wes Anderson. It's one of the best movies of the year so oh. far, Lisa. I'm on board fully. <laughs> Here we go. Well, thank you yeah, for bringing this museum experience to us. It's as if we're there. Oh, well, of course. If you can't be I, I, I can, Milan, I can, I can, no. Join yeah, us on no, the side yeah, talks. Wow. Yeah, just come here and I'll describe museum exhibits to you. Oh, <laughs> break, breaking news. Thanks to the um, mispronunciations and accent work, the nation of Italy has just declared war on, <laughs> I on like us to call it, specifically. I like it to call it uh, Italy. Wow. Italy. Like <laughs> wow. the restaurant. Just like the restaurant. Listen, can we still offend Italians? We can, right? Like, that's still fair ground to, like, be... Like, are we allowed to, or is it possible? Because I think I don't know if we're allowed to. Am I going to get canceled for saying Italy? Yes. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Mamma mia! Mamma mia! Pasta, 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 rasta, pasta. Wow. This is just like the um that cage that time when y'all did the Cajun voices all over again. (laughs) Yeah, but fuck the Cajuns. I just yeah. Well, we can oh we can offend the only people that I think we can be mean to anymore are just the goddamn Russians. That's the only thing we go. Whoa. Are we still mad at, or is it not allowed anymore? No, I think it's very, it's not only allowed, I think it's encouraged. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before I offend (laughs) any more Italianos, let me let you go, Lisa. (laughs) And we'll we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. And now, fast film terms. Whoa, that was fast. Fast film term. So I'm doing a little different today. Okay. We've been through a lot of fast film terms. Sure I just remind everybody um, that one of the fast film terms that we've talked about in the past was related to cinema and cinema programming and distribution as it relates to movie theaters. Yep. And that term was clean, which is some people don't realize that when you have a clean screen, what that means is that a film has to play on that particular screen at your cinema and nothing else in theory can play on that screen. And that is a requirement for most first run films, meaning films that have just been released. 
And that first run clean screen usually has to happen for at least two weeks, sometimes three, sometimes four. But at the end of the two weeks, if you're doing well, they'd like for you to do a thing called a holdover. Mm -hmm. And obviously that just means you hold the film over. So my question to you, though, we've talked about some of those terms before. And the only new one I can kind of throw at you is that if you're allowed to have something on the same screen as another film, you call it stacked. That makes sense, too. Yeah. So let me just ask you this, though. You know, we you'd never programmed a movie theater before. We opened the sidewalk cinema. So what do you think you were the most surprised by? You would you would program film festivals. We 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 had done that together. And so what were you the most surprised about when it comes to opening a movie theater and the process of actually getting films? What are what are some of the some concepts, if you will, that that have kind of hit you that felt new and you wouldn't have expected that you felt like were like learning moments. Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know that I was shocked by the clean requirement. Um, that's not as difficult to navigate yeah. if you've got a 16 screen multiplex. Or even a six yeah. screen, right? And, but with a two screen theater like ours, that is difficult to, to, to navigate, especially in busy corridors, uh, of the year, like the holiday season where studios are releasing a lot of their prime uh, films, there are awards contenders, and there are like 16 movies coming out within a four week span. Yeah, that what do you, you we can't all, fit a circle into see. a square? Yeah. Um, what, what did surprise me though is how specific some of these requirements are. I mean, I think we've talked about booking films that not only require two weeks, but require um, 14 continuous days of your theater being open to book it. Right. And um, and and it's ra- sometimes it's random. Like we can't predict those things that are coming down the pike, right? So one of the things that that surprised me lately, Corey, is mm-hmm. that and we hear this a lot. Well, I you know, and we even hear it internally, which is like, well, this film releases on this date. It says so right here on their website. It's right. it's going wide release on this date. Doesn't but always mean that we can get we it. We can get it. And sometimes what it is, and there's, this is not a term, but more of a, a sort of concept that we have to wrangle with, is that some distributors will tell us, well, yes, it is going wide, but we're only going to place that film in cinemas that have X number of screens. Which For example, major, six is a big number that comes up. A right? major surprise. Yeah, so it, we, we're only going to put this in the theaters that have six or more screens. And I, I guess that increases the likelihood of that film being held over. That's as exactly you said. what it does. They know that if they place it with us, that we've probably got something else coming up on the roster. And so they know that if, if it does well with us, that we're not going to hold it over. We're going to put something new on the screen. And therefore, it's got no place to go at, at a two screen cinema. And they don't want to. They, they want to have it. Some, they only want to have it places where it's going to stay on and make money. Still, even with that said, um, most first runs, especially these days, make the bulk of their money in the first two weeks of release. Right. And the theatrical industry is such that I honestly I'm a little surprised at at a lot of distributors who are you know, most of the year beggars also being choosers. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we want to show your film in our movie theater and and draw our audience to it. You know, granted, like, there are strategies of rolling these movies out nationwide, but when it's plentifully available at a lot of our competitors' locations and we still want it, I, I, I really struggle with the strategy behind well 
no, we don't need that. And it doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't really make that, any sense. Just because it doesn't make any sense doesn't mean it's not a reality. I mean, that's the right. main thing. But you try to explain it to people and they're mind boggled. And, and they're mind boggled because it's mind boggling. Yes. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's a very confusing $10 thing. $10 is $10. Do you want it or do you not? Yeah. But it is indeed, I think that we're in an industry too that in a lot of ways is on the forefront of so many things and it's ever changing and evolving. And it's such a, you know, it's oftentimes we're dealing with really, really new technologies. And if they're coming, when, and if and when there comes a new projection technology, well, we're just going to be shut a luck around to figure it out. And we yeah. have to ram that new projection technology in. At the same time, we're still doing business like it's the 1930s. Sure. In a lot of ways. This is some of the same concepts, the same strategies are in place. And it's just, it's absolutely wild. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult to navigate. Now, again, like there's there are a lot of movies finally coming out again the strikes are over um the sort of pandemic anxiety has eased somewhat uh barbie and oppenheimer saved theaters as we know we've already you know established that um but um you know oh, we're still oh, we're not going to mention taylor uh, taylor you know she Come helped on. she helped um but we're still trying to aim at moving targets when we are trying Absolutely. to book first runs at our cinema um we know there are a lot of appealing titles that our audiences would love to see at our cinema. We would love to bring a lot of those titles to the cinema, but the realities of actually negotiating terms and booking films sometimes make that extremely difficult. Yeah. And I can tell by a lot of the requests we get that there is a thought that like, oh, well, you could have, we just talked about Asteroid City, right? You could have Asteroid City for like three days. And then after yeah. it, you could bring in another film Wouldn't for three days. Nice? And that's just not no. at all the case. So no. I wonder if anybody out there listening has any cinema programming slash distribution related questions. And if so, email us at podcast at sidewalkfest.com. Sam has promised that he's going to check that email and i'm sure he's right on that i think he's you on know. it right now sam so is, send is it one send of it our right top, now. top minds send it right now well thank you for listening to side talks podcast we're your own personal cinematic kathy hilton and lisa renna may have done it before but they, well, they're they're back to being friends we're it's I, news. I'm only it's news. kind e. of aware of who these people are. Listen, Kathy Hilton is same. Paris's mom. That's right. right. Lisa who recently Renna. was revealed. Paris Hilton showed up and said, "I had a baby." Oh, what? it's on. I look. I, that's that was at least my understanding. Okay. Was well, she kept the baby quiet? Okay. She didn't want the baby to be photographed, so she went and had a baby, and she then showed the, up at she, her mom's she had house. Her hand and over said, the baby's yeah. mouth, so it didn't cry. Yeah. She kept it quiet. Ca- came to the mom's house and said, "Look what I got." What? That's my understanding. That's right. what it looked like. She's got a reality show. We'll figure it out later. Uh, Lisa Renna is a real housewife. They're both the... so they're both real housewives, right? Oh wow! I don't. But that's the thing is, you're. I'm with you. I don't know a whole lot about this either. Okay. And it's not a show I watch. Yeah. But I will say, anytime I've ever been in a place where somebody's had it on, I have stopped dead in my tracks to watch because it's inevitably as if they open a you know like in the Coliseum. Yeah. When they would open a door and the lions would come uh-huh. out. That's what this feels like. So it's usually a, just a really well set table, and then a door opens, and these women just charge in the room, and they're it's just like start drinking <laughs> and screaming at each other. And I something about that. I love it. This I love feels it. like a vortex that if you are not careful, you will get sucked into. Oh, for sure. There are like nineteen of these fucking shows, and any number of spinoffs, and you will you will get dragged into the depths of bravo 
television, like reality TV programming, if you're not careful. So I think tread that's why lightly. I haven't. I think that's why I haven't actually gone out on my own and watched. It's that kind of thing where I'm like, well, but if I'm here and there's a candy bar, I'm going to eat it. But I don't want to take candy bars home from the store. This is going to turn into a Vanderpump Rules <laughs> podcast so gradually, our listeners will not even notice until it's too um, late. Like a frog what. in a pot of boiling water. I'm going to make a promise to everybody right now. Uh-oh. And I hope this promise keeps you listening and doesn't keep you from listening. But I'm going to put together a holiday soundboard for your enjoyment. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to have one or two or three or four. Uh, Real Housewife soundboard comments right here to go into Corey's ear. Boy, what so a what stay a treat. tuned. What a treat. Uh, anyway, thanks to Boutwell Studios. Hey. I know Brad's looking forward to my new soundboard. Can't wait. Boy, I, I'm I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> Corey's scared. I am. I'm a little scared. Um, but uh, you don't have to be scared to visit us online at SidewalkFest.com or follow us on social media at SidewalkFilm. And you damn sure don't have to be scared to buy a ticket and come see a are film you, with are us. You, are you Kathy Hilton or are you Lisa Renna? I don't know. Um, Who's richer? I guess Kathy Hilton. Kathy Hilton's probably richer. Lisa Renna's doing pretty well. Also, she's married to that, that, that man. You what know, the man? One, the man with the with the caterpillar eyebrows that's in a bunch of movies. I think he's in like a Sex Lives and Videotape. Peter Gallagher isn't she married to Peter Gallagher? Am I what? wrong? What? Well, Get that you, just changes you the entire phone. calculus. Corey, you have your phone. Look it up. I'm going to look it up. I would like to be Kathy Hilton. I'm going to take it because I think that she's richer. And I also think there's something lovely about having a grandchild that you didn't have to deal with your daughter all the way through the like pregnancy and all that. I think it's nice. I think it was nice <laughs> of Paris just to show up and be like, here's your grandbaby. It's there it is. It's cute. Well, she's not married to Peter Gallagher. Who is she married to? The um, man I think is Peter Gallagher. I'm just going to tell you. I always think this man is Peter Gallagher. She is married to Harry Hamlin. Same difference. No. <laughs> no. I. These are two people who, to me, are the same person. Yeah, I but Peter Gallagher it. was not on L.A. Law. I, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm, I I understand the nuances, but I'm sorry. Those two <laughs> men look exactly alike to me. I can't tell I the difference. disagree. Um, but how fantastic. Um, He's a poor man's. Harry Hamlin is a poor man's Peter Gallagher. Fine. Whoa. Shots fired. So are you are you comfortable being Lisa Renna? Sure. Down? I mean, Harry, you need to Harry get Hamlin out of here right a, now and go get lip injections. Harry right Hamlin's now. a dish. Um, okay. Well, that's all I've got. I got to go get we some lip go. In- injections. Corey's got to get this taken care of. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.